Well, I am glad you're here today. Good morning. Um, we're in a new series today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 7, 6 and 7, 7 right now. We're going to be back in verse, chapter 6. But, um, you know, we're starting a series called Extraordinary Acts of God. And we're going to look at just some different experiences with God in the New Testament that, that are in our reading that I think are just absolutely incredible to process. And, and, and in our reading, we've, we've seen the Lord do some incredible acts. Like, you've probably read about Bezalel and, and Oliab and Oliab. These were guys that were gifted by the Lord that God used in incredible ways. That they, they built the temple and things in the temple that helped people worship God. And, um, and I'm amazed how God equips all kinds of people to do all kinds of things. He equips all of us. And, 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 you know, we have people around here that are so gifted, it's amazing to watch, like, um, oh, Helen DeClue and, you know, Debbie Mill as they do these sets and stuff with uh, create their creativity. They, they did all the costumes that, that we saw at the, um, at, at the Christmas Carol that, Casey Long put together, she's gifted, and there's songwriters like Joe who write songs that are just so good. Um, and then, you know, I think about Rick Cuscio, our, our, our uh, resident um, MacGyver, um, and uh, just gifted, gifted leaders, gifted people in this church. I think about all of us joining together to build the Build this building, like they built the temple and help people worship the Lord. Here we have stewarded these things that God has called us to, like the mission center and this place that are that are like launching pads of ministry and life and and it's just really amazing. And and, and I look forward to seeing how we how God continues to lead us and guide us. But but you know, we're gonna look at Stephen today. He is an interesting guy. And and you know, as we've read, I want to encourage you to keep going in the in the Bible reading, and like Amber said, pick back up where we are right now. You, you know, um, I've gotten some questions about okay, what's up with the law and all these like things in the temple and these requirements? And as we get into uh, you know, we finished Exodus today, we're gonna get into Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Um, the, these, these law moments. I think it's really important to, to pay attention to how the Bible speaks to, um, helps us understand other parts of the Bible. For example, Stephen preached a sermon in Acts 7 that explained some of the Old Testament things, the law, and what was going on. So I think it's really helpful to pay attention to how the Bible interprets the Bible. And this is a, a, a really a cool moment in Acts chapter 7 when you look at the sermon Stephen preached, which ironically, interestingly, it's, it's the longest sermon recorded in Acts. Acts has quite a few sermons in it. Stephen's is the longest. And so let's jump into the end of his sermon and, and let's stand together and read Acts 7, 51 and we're going to read through verse 60, but, but then we're going to flip back and forth between Acts 6 and 7 this morning. But let's look at the end of this sermon. It was a pretty long sermon. And this is how he ended, as he explained the law, as he explained the Old Testament. Look at verse 51. Interesting ending. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. 
you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you, now, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. and, And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they were stoning Stephen. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, received my spirit. And falling to his knees, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, that's quite an ending to a sermon, right? I mean, goodness, I've preached a lot of sermons, and I've had people walk out when I've been preaching uh, before. I've never had anybody drag me out and try to kill me. I've never had that happen at the end of the sermon. Let's hope let's not do that today, okay? How about that? But this is what Stephen was doing as he was standing for Christ, right? It's interesting to process that. Now, now as a believer, let, let's, let's notice something about Stephen, All of us are called to stand for Christ. Stephen wasn't a preacher. Now, now I have a motto, and if you're around me very long, you've probably heard me say this motto, but but my uh, kind of a motto I try to live by is, you've got to be ready to die and ready to preach, right? So I want to ask you, are you ready to die? Are you ready to preach? Who wants to come preach today? Who's ready to preach right now? You might go, well, I don't want to preach right now. Come on, I might let you. Um, but, but, you know, that's a good model to process, a model to live by. You're ready to, be, ready to die, ready to preach. Well, let's, you know, in this series uh, that we're going to dig into, we're going to see how the Lord moved through these incredible acts, how he, he worked. And, 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 you know, when you think about the church, all of us are called to serve the Lord. The word church in the New Testament is, is ecclesia. You know what it means? It means the called out ones. It's easy to look at me and say, oh, Chris, you're, you're called to ministry. No, we're all called to ministry. We're all called to serve the Lord. Now, I have a calling in the church that I'm called to be an elder. Uh, uh, I have a specific narrow calling, and God brings, God calls people to be under shepherds uh, for the church. But all of us are called to serve the Lord. This is really important to process. One of our core values as a church is that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. This is taken out of 2 Corinthians 5.20. And it's the idea that all of us are, are ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. And that's the calling for everybody in the church, to be an ambassador for Christ. We know what an ambassador is. An ambassador is a representative, and, and all of us are called to be representatives of Christ. We're all called out by the Lord. And right here in Acts 6 and 7, it's interesting because 
Luke, who's the writer of Acts, and, and Luke was a doctor. He was a doctor. And he wrote a third of the New Testament. Because when you think about the, the length of the book of Luke and the length of the book of Acts, they, a scroll was a standard length. And, and I love Luke because he filled up the entire scroll in both of those books. He, he used every ounce of those scrolls to speak to Theophilus. I think it was his buddy that he was sharing the gospel with. And, and in the book of Acts, he, he, he write, it's interesting, in the first part of the first six chapters, first five chapters, he turned his, the camera on all the, the apostles. But in chapter 6, he turned his camera on the church, on the lay people. And, um, and Stephen was one of them. If you look at Acts chapter 6, look, look over at chapter 6 in your Bibles, um, because you see, you see Stephen. Now, you can see in chapter 6, in the first six verses, Stephen was one of those uh, early deacons. He was one of the first deacons called out because, you know, they, they needed some Greek-speaking deacons because the widows were, were needing some work and they needed some help. They needed to be served. And so, so it was a layperson, Stephen, who was called out to say, hey, let, let the apostles focus on the preaching, and you guys do the serving. So Stephen was a, was a Greek-speaking Jew, and, and, and that was a need then. He was a, you look at verse 5, look at chapter 6, verse 5. He was described as a man full of faith. That's interesting. He's a layman. He's full of faith. Uh, and of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit was on him. Uh, look at verse 8. Uh, he did miraculous, great wonders and miraculous signs. He's the first one that we notice that's not an apostle, that God is just working through him in these extraordinary ways, these interesting ways. Um, you can tell from his life as you trace him through Acts 6 and 7 that he was a, he was a passionate follower of Christ. Most scholars think that he was, had been a believer for about two years. Makes sense because, you know, Pentecost had just happened. Lots of people were saved at Pentecost. Uh, but, but he was a Jew, he knew the law, and he was a servant. He was, but, but I want us to recognize he was a layman. He's part of the church. And, uh, um, and I think it's interesting. He, um, he preached one of the most powerful sermons that was ever preached. And um, I think he lived out that motto. He was ready to die and ready to preach. That's something to think about today. You know, as we look at this passage, I think that there's some things I want us to process a little bit. And, and as we process it, there's just three questions that I want us to confront today. And the first question is this. Are you ready to take a public stand for Christ? Like, I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready right now to take a public stand for Christ? I said last week uh, that pressing question that I've always heard is uh, that if, if you're ever put on trial for being a Christian, could anybody convict you? Folks, um, I think we need to be ready to take a public stand for Christ. You know, look at verse 8 in chapter 6. He says, now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. I think it's obvious that, that it's not just, God's power doesn't just rest on preachers. 
God's power comes to all of us. And I really believe we need to be ready to take a public stand for Christ. Look at verse 8. He's, I just think it's a fascinating passage that he, he was full of power. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, how'd he get there? How'd he get that? How, how did that come about? I, look at verse 10. Um, I think it's fascinating as you look at verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. You know, when you look at Stephen, he wasn't a casual follower of Jesus. He was passionate. He was convinced about Christ. He, he was convinced that Jesus died and rose from the dead. You weren't persuading him otherwise. He, he was in the middle of walking with God and, and trusting the Lord. And, 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 and I think there's something right, right here that we can notice from him and learn from him. And you know what Stephen had done? He had set his heart and his mind on Christ. And you know what I pray we do? I pray we're a people with our, with our mind and our heart set on Jesus. And I'll tell you, that's, the, that's something I see in him. He'd, he'd grown up. He'd grown to recognize, God, you're at work in my life. God, you're at work around me. I, I hear you. I see you. And, and let me tell you, God is at work in your life. God's at work right now in our church. God's, work all, God's at work all around us. And, and I pray we are a people that live in this world with our mind and our heart set on Jesus. He, he was... You know, there was that sticker a long time ago. I haven't seen it in a while. Thankfully, they got rid of them, that God is my co-pilot. For Stephen, God wasn't his co-pilot. He was was the boss. He was in charge. He was his Lord. Oh, that's why I think that question that I asked last week is so important. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Stephen knew Christ, and his mind was set on Christ. His heart was was set on Christ, and man, it, it showed. You know what else? When you look at him, he, you can tell that Stephen was one who grew in knowledge of the Word of God. And I, I pray that we grow in our knowledge of God's Word. And this is why I love how I've heard stories over and over again, how as we've read through the Bible, that, that, that God is using that. We've encountered things we've never encountered before. But I don't want us to miss what Rachel said when she talked about how, look, don't just make this a religious checklist. This is an appointment with God. And Stephen was, a, was he, part of meeting with the Lord is him teaching us through his word. But, but let's not miss the Lord. Let's not miss the Lord at work in our life. lives. Acts, Acts 6, 8 says he was full of grace and power, you know, Grace is that ability to care for somebody who doesn't deserve it, right? God gave him power, energized his life, and, you know, Stephen was full of this, and he was, God was using him. And look at verse 9. It says in chapter 6, there were some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of, of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia, in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking. Now, now there were three groups who opposed Stephen. We see them there. The synagogue of the freedmen. These were, these were Greek-speaking Jews in the synagogue. And, and uh, they, they were slaves who had been uh, children and grandchildren of war. And, 
and, um, and they'd been released, and now we're living in Jerusalem. And that's who they were. They were, they were. There was a synagogue of Jewish people there. There were, there were Pyrenians and Alexandrians who were Jews from Egypt, and that's where they were from, and, and they were in that synagogue. And there was a third group of Greek-speaking Jews, of, and you, you see the words, Asia, the, the places, Asia and Cilicia. Do you know who came from Cilicia? Tarsus was in Cilicia. Saul was from Cilicia. And in Acts 8, we find that he's, he's there. As, and I don't know if Saul was in one of these councils as they were debating with Stephen. He was young. Um, I, I don't think he threw rocks at Stephen. It says he was holding the coats. But, um, but, but they, were, they were in this debate with Stephen. And, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting as, uh, as Stephen stood up against their attacks. These were the well, the smart guys, and, and, and you know, let's think about Stephen. Acts 6, uh, 1 through 6, talks about that he was a deacon. He was serving. Well, let me just shine a spotlight on something. That, like, because part of this looks at, man, how did he grow so fast? How did he, how did he get so knowledgeable? Well, he was under the off. The, the teaching of the apostles. They, he had been in the church, and they, they had been growing and understanding what the Word says. I, it, it's likely Stephen was a Greek-speaking Jew, so he knew the law probably, and he talks about, I'm one of you. He talked about being brothers of them. And, and it's interesting, as you think about Stephen, he, he was serving. He was a deacon. He was serving. Do you know that when you serve, that's one of the greatest ways you can grow? Have you noticed that in your life? How many of us have looked back at, at the times that we started serving the Lord, and that's when we grew the most? If you've taught a class or if you've uh, gone on a mission trip, oh my goodness, I, I, going on a mission trip is one of the greatest ways you could serve the Lord. Our, our, our workplace mission trip's about to start. You know, that's one of the greatest ways you can grow in your faith. Let's note that Stephen was serving and he was growing. I'll tell you, it's, it's serving. That, that's where you have those faith-building experiences. I want to challenge you to, to serve because you need to look for some faith-building experiences, those moments that you learn to trust the Lord. That's why one of the greatest things we've done as parents, I mean, Robin and I, are, our nest is empty, and that's been a little bit weird. I kind of like it. Uh, Robin still cries some, but, but I, I, I think it's kind of fun having an empty nest. But, but, you know, when I look at it as we've raised our kids, we took them on mission trips. That shaped their lives. Because we had to pray, and there were times on a mission trip that we trusted the Lord and, and had to trust the Lord. Like, like oh my goodness, I, I left Maggie on the side of a mountain when she was in the 10th grade in FARC territory in Colombia, on a mountain in Colombia. And I thought I was just going to be gone for a few minutes. I was gone for like three and a half hours. I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to explain this to Robin? that I've lost her daughter uh, in Columbia, but it taught us to pray. You know, go on a mission trip. Serve, because Stephen was growing. He had this faith-building experiences. And, and, and I want to uh, challenge you, start serving. Hey, are you ready to take a public stand for Christ? Let's remember what 1 Peter 3 said. We've pre, we, we walked through 1 Peter a year ago, if you were with us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 and 16, it says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer 
to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That we're to be prepared. We should prepare to be a witness for Christ. Are you ready? This passage moves us to that question. Are you ready to be a public witness for Christ? There's a second question now as I wrestle through this, this moment of, in Acts 6 and 7. Let me ask this question. Are you ready to face opposition for biblical beliefs? Hey, are we ready to face some opposition? Let me tell you. Um, look at Acts 6.15. He, you see that he, in fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Now, we don't really, I've not seen an angel that I know of. I know in Scripture it's not like precious moments. I know that. And so I've scratched my head about what's the, what's the face of an angel look like? It's not precious moments. But when they looked at it, I can imagine when you see the face of one of God's angels, that's going to be a face that's pretty confident, right? I, I, bet, I bet Stephen's face was so very confident in the midst of this opposition. Because right here, you know what Stephen's in? He's in the middle of a spiritual battle. And, and here's what I want us to recognize. There's a, there's a real spiritual battle for the lost. Stephen was in it. So are we. Folks, folks there is a real spiritual battle in the world. And you know, the, you know the most dangerous thing about being in a battle? It's not knowing you're in one. And folks, we got to remember that we're in a spiritual battle. Stephen was aware of it. He was ready for it. And, and he handled the pressure. And, and why did he do that? He knew the word of God. He, was, he, was, he understood the word. Look at Acts 7. And he preached this incredible message of salvation. Now, this is one of the longest messages recorded in Acts. And, and I'm not going to read all 50 verses there. Um, but... But I do want to summarize this sermon because I think it's an, an interesting snapshot, it's an interesting picture. That, that, and, and, he, and basically what's happening is Stephen uh, is accused of not understanding the law of Moses. Now we get that because if you've been with us, we've been reading through the law of Moses. And, and we're like, man, this is a complex thing. And, and, and Stephen was accused by these Jews, you don't know the law. But, is, but what Stephen does, it's interesting, he responds with this careful and this direct retelling of Israel's history. And you know what he does so masterfully? He, he wraps this up with Christ. This is why I think it's very important for us to go back and look at what Stephen preached, especially if you've been wrestling through what does the law all mean? Because Stephen does a great job of pointing it to Christ. And, and his overall point is this, that because that, the Jews were saying, you're disrespecting the law of Moses. And, and he's like, no, I'm not. You are. 
you're disrespecting the law of Moses. And, and he tells the story of, the, the, he retells biblical history, and he points out that, look, you've messed up the law of Moses because you've misunderstood the temple. You've misunderstood Jesus. And in the temple, he points out, the temple points to Jesus. The sacrifices in the temple, temple point to Jesus. And, and when you miss Jesus, when you miss the cross, you missed it all, he says to him. And, and then he points out, you religious people, do you know that you have this habit of rejecting the prophets? And this is a, this is a truth for, for, for all of us because we tend to want to go our own way. We don't want to hear the, the word of God. We don't want to follow the spirit of God. And, and, and this is what Stephen basically says to them. He says, he says look, uh, you guys don't even understand the scriptures. Uh, yeah, they knew the facts about the Old Testament, but, but, but the Old Testament points to the fact that a Savior was coming, and they missed Jesus, and he was confronting them about this. Now, G- Stephen's following the example Jesus set. Flip over to, uh, this is interesting, John chapter 5. I want you to flip over it. look at John chapter 5, verse 39, because Jesus had a similar conversation with the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, the, the Sanhedrin, these leaders. And, and this was right after Jesus had healed a guy on the Sabbath. And, and it's interesting, in John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says this to these Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and that they bear the witness. And it is that they that bear the witness about me, yet you, fru- you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And, and then Jesus pointed out in verse 46 in John 5 that if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. And so you see in Stephen's sermon an interesting picture of the Old Testament, and he gives this incredible overview. And, and he, he's pointing to Christ. And this is why I, I don't want us to miss Jesus. I don't want us to be, try to be religious and think that, oh, that's somehow like an opportunity to experience salvation. No, religion doesn't save. We're not going through motions here. We've surrendered to Christ. And this is why I pray you answer that question, are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? And Stephen was, was bold here. And, 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 and I, I think there's something important to recognize here. Because Stephen's pretty confrontational. He's pretty much in their face. And, and, and this was a different strategy than Jesus took at the woman at the well. And this was, this was the religious leaders. And, and Stephen goes toe-to-toe with him, with them, and he confronted them. Hey, let's not forget something very important, that the salvation message is confrontational. Folks, we, we live in a world that is pushing preachers. Hey, you need to soften the message of the Bible. Look, that's not an option for us. We've already, I mean, we heard from Danny uh, and, and Rachel that, that, look, there are things in the Bible that are uncomfortable to deal with. Look, we're called to deal with them. It's better if we do. And, and look, we cannot soften the Bible. We cannot soften the gospel confrontation. Because here's the truth, God has confronted me when he met me as a sinner and said, Chris, you need to repent and turn. Don't go your own way. And we live in a world that is pushing us, hey, let's update the message of the Bible. That is not an option. 
And we gotta, we got to hear that. We're, we're not, we don't have the option to soften the message. And I'll tell you, if I ever twist and get away from the message of the Bible, can I just say out loud, you ought to fire me as your pastor. Because we don't have that option. We're called to proclaim the truth. And it's not our job to change it. It's our job to proclaim it. Now, there's a way to do that with gentleness and respect. You might argue, well, Stephen wasn't very respectful here, but he was appropriate. I think it was right for him to be bold here. And look at verse 51. You stiff-necked people. That's a little confrontational. Folks, let's remember, there are times we need to be confrontational. Especially when it comes to those that are twisting the word of God. I think we can argue better, but let me tell you, if somebody's twisting the word of God, we need to be confrontational. Stephen was. And if you paid attention to last week's sermon, if you, weren't, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, you ought to go listen to last week's sermon. Notice what he says in verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and your ears. Listen to last week's message on that if you missed it. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Man, that's, that's big. Like, like people resisting the Holy Spirit. May we never be a people that resist the Holy Spirit. There are people that are resisting the Holy Spirit. We better listen. We better hear that. As your fathers did, so do you. And then it's interesting. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And, and we're going to get into the prophets. And, and, and people didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. And, and people wanted to hear prophets that told them what they wanted to hear. Look, as a, um, boy, as a pastor, if, I, if I'm never, if I'm just telling you what you want to hear, you ought to really challenge me. Because every time I read my Bible, I hear some things I don't want to hear. I hear some things un- that are uncomfortable. And if you're at a church that always tells you what you want to hear, you ought to, you ought to, question the church you're going to. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying that's not consistent. Which, um, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced before him the coming of the righteous one. They killed John the Baptist, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. The righteous one is who they betrayed and murdered. You received the laws delivered by angels and did not keep it. So he's confronting them. And, you know, honestly, he couldn't have said anything worse. And, and I think Stephen right here, look at verse 54. Verse 54 is really interesting in chapter 7. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground, they, they ground their teeth at him. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to face opposition to your biblical beliefs? I got to tell you, we need to get ready to face some opposition, 
the biblical beliefs. But, but you know what's interesting? I don't want to, because those two questions make us nervous. Because I, I can feel it a little bit. Are you ready to take a public stand for Christ? Ooh, I don't know. Are you ready to face opposition? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. But you know what I don't want us to miss in this passage? And it's the third question. Are you able to recognize the real help that comes from the Holy Spirit? Because you know what, what is so cool about this passage? There is real help that comes to Stephen. Look at verse 55. But he full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know what God does here? He opens up the window of heaven and lets us peek in. Oh my goodness, you know what? A lot of, a lot of scholars are wrestling through this. You know, this shows us so many things. I want you to recognize that death's not the end. there's an eternal life that's real. There's an eternity that's real. And what's interesting right here, Stephen looks into heaven and he sees it opened up. And folks, I promise you, the the Bible's clear. It speaks to this, that that there is an eternal life that is available, that is open, and and you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And, and Stephen right here is, is about to meet the Lord. And what, he, what, he, what he's not doing is he's not cowering down. He's not like, oh, my goodness. He's like, oh, my goodness, I, I, I see heaven. It's opened up, and, it, and Jesus is standing. This is like a standing ovation of Christ. Oh, my goodness, that's how I want to meet the Lord. You know what I love about being a church is that we're pushing one another uh, to, to, to meet the Lord in a, in a, in a way that honors him. Now, we're not trying to earn our way to heaven. No, we know we can't earn our way to heaven. Salvation is, is, is a gift that we've received. But, but let me tell you something. As we serve the Lord in this place, we want to hear the words, well done. And how cool is it that we get to see this example of Stephen getting a standing ovation when he crossed the finish line by Christ. I'll tell you what, that's the way I want to meet the Lord. I don't want to limp across the finish line. I want to blaze across the finish line. And this is why I don't care how old you are, as long as you're breathing, you got work to do. And we cannot be a people that are asleep, that are lazy when it comes to our walk with the Lord. And that's why some of the, hey, it's time to serve, folks. It's time to get off the, get up and serve. Let me just say there. Time to serve. You know, years ago, I remember my first church in western Oklahoma. It was my first time to be around farms. And my first experience of harvest. And Rick Payne was a kid in my youth group. It was harvest time, and I went to his house. I wanted to see him. I knocked on his door. He wasn't there. I was like, oh, well, he wasn't there. You know where he was? He was in the field. It was harvest time. When, when, when it's harvest time and you're a farmer, you aren't, you aren't, you're not at your house. You're out in the field. And see, Stephen 
It's so fascinating. I pray that when we meet the Lord, we're in the field. We're working for the Lord, serving the Lord with all we have. And this is why we, the, like Hebrews 10 says, we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Look, we're going to push one another to walk with the Lord. And we're going to push one another to be in the Word of God, to wrestle through the Bible. Let's not miss. Did you hear the last thing Rachel said? Did you hear that? I don't want you to miss the last thing Rachel said when she was up here. I think we might have missed it. But I want to come back to it. I could have, I could have just stopped. We could have just had an invitation after the last thing she said, but I wanted to preach this message. She said, if you don't teach your kids the Bible, the world will teach them. It, it will know. She said, if you don't teach your kids how to follow Jesus, that's what she said. If you don't teach your kids how to follow Jesus, the world will teach them how not to. Ooh, that was good. Folks, Stephen ran across the finish line. I think it's fascinating that you see this strength that God provides. Verse 56, he, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And, and you know what, what you see here? You see this peace that is provided when the pressure was on. Do you realize that as, as we think about those two questions about taking a public stand, about facing opposition, I don't want you to miss that when the Holy Spirit leads you, the strength that he provides, there is peace in the midst of pressure. I've experienced it, and this is what God will do for you. And this is why I think I want to challenge us to recognize the peace that comes in the midst of the pressure. And, and here's the thing. I, I've heard people say, well, I, I don't know if I can serve. I don't know if I can speak up because, you know, I don't know what to say. Can, can I remind you that, that words will come to your mind? Remember Acts 1.8, we read this, that, that when, uh, when, when you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and the Scripture says, you're going to be my witnesses. What, what is the power we receive? We receive power to be witnesses. And we'll be as witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I don't want us to miss the fact that as we think about the 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 fear of having a public witness, the fear about facing opposition that the Bible says we'll receive power. We'll receive words. And, and you know what else you see and you know in the life of Stephen that, that God's people are always near. And, and this is what I love about being a church is that we're together in this. We're with each other. We're walking together. We're making each other better. We're pushing each other. We're sharpening each other. And this is what the church is, is doing. But look at verse 57, and then we got to stop. I got to come in. I got to finish this. But they cried out with a loud voice. And notice this, and stopped their ears. Man, you don't ever want to stop your ears when God is speaking. I don't ever want to stop my ears. Man, I felt that. 
And they rushed together at him, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And look at this. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Look at that. See, I've really felt this this week as I've thought about when I face opposition, how will I respond? I I have a tendency in my my natural state to get a little chippy and a little smart aleck. And I'm kind of gifted at that. But I'm moved in my heart. As Stephen falls on his knees, and first thing he doesn't say is, God, get him. No, Lord, forgive him. Lord, don't hold this against them. Because you know what you see in Stephen, the, the burden for, for the lost. And this is why I pray this drives us. This is why I pray the mission that we have drives us. I'm, I'm brokenhearted at people that, that have known the Lord a long time and have no burden for the lost. Repent of that. Oh, my goodness, repent of that. Because St- Stephen is not looking at them going, oh, man, God, take care of them. He's like, Lord, touch their heart. You know what you see here? You see, you see God working in ways that we can't, it's hard to notice in the moment. It's hard to notice in the moment the, the, the burden of Stephen because the pressure is coming so fast and, it, and it's hard to notice that. It, but, but, but you know who noticed that? You know I, who I think noticed that? Saul. I think Saul noticed that. There's a lot of debate on how, was, how much was Saul involved here. Some say that if you're holding the coats, you're like leading, you're, you're like directing traffic. I don't know. I don't think it matters. We know that Saul was there in the moment. And we know that God used that in a massive way in Saul's life. Now, right here, you see in chapter 8 that, that okay, Saul's resolve to persecute the Christians was strengthened. And he was like, let's go get them all. Let's get them all. And he's leading the charge to persecute believers. And everybody knew about Saul. That's what we know. People knew about Saul. He had the reputation. So it makes me think that, hey, he was involved at a pretty high level here. But but you know what's interesting? Is as he went with that resolve, I think this was one of the things that God used in Saul's conversion, who became Paul. And I, I just can't help but recognize that God works in ways we can't even see. So this, this morning, are you ready to die? Oh, look, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're not ready to die. 
If you've not received that gift of eternal life, see, 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. If you're the people of God, you're ready to die. See, once you had not received mercy, 1 Peter 2.10, if you've not received mercy, you're not ready to die. But, But now you have received mercy, you're ready to die. Are you ready to die? Folks, are you ready to preach? Are you ready? How do we do that? We, we push one another. We walk together. We serve together. So our mission challenge today is kind of focused on the Word of God here, is keep working through the Bible. I want to challenge you. Keep working through it. Jump back in. Pick up where we are. Because we're preaching through these things, and we're walking through this together. If you've gotten behind, pick back up. Um, maybe you need to start with us. Start. Start where we are. It's on our app. It's on our websites everywhere. Start with us. And if you're, keep, if you're going, keep, let's keep going. We finished the book of Exodus today. And we're going to get into the challenging parts of, oh, the law. Oof, you know, let's go. Jump in with us. We can do this. God's going to use it. Let's get into the word. But more importantly, be ready to die. Be ready to, ready to preach. Brandon's going to, we're going to have an invitation. And um, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to put these three questions in your mind. Are you ready to take a public stand for Christ? Are you ready to face opposition because of your biblical beliefs? Are you able to recognize the Holy Spirit's help when it comes?